Hello there! You are tuned into KSKQ 89.5 FM Ashland, or perhaps you are in Medford or the surrounding area listening at 94.1 FM. And it is 6 o'clock on this Monday night, and you know what that means? It's time for Dream Infringement! Dream Infringement is a group of three friends. We like to play music and tell stories based on a weekly theme. And last week we played a rerun um, because the Castillo uh, part of Dream Infringement was not doing so well. Uh, Bobby and I, um, our kids, they, they had food poisoning, so we were cleaning cleaning up after them all weekend um, and it took took a few days for them to to feel better and in the meantime our whole like sleep schedules were thrown off and uh, eating schedules and nobody wanted to eat anything and uh, it was it was a lot and I am glad that week is behind us I'm glad we're here today I'm glad everyone has a stomach that is feeling better and i hope that you listeners are having a decent monday as well and if you're not well it's about to get a lot better so yes we we play uh songs and we tell stories based on a weekly theme and this week's theme is unpopular opinion and jennifer and bobby and i are going to be expressing our unpopular opinions don't worry they're not like too unpopular i don't think um and just kind of exploring exploring those uh, opinions and yeah playing some songs we would love to hear your unpopular opinions um on our instagram you can message us on instagram we're just dream infringement uh facebook messenger you could do that as well I think you can email us at dreaminfringement at gmail. <laughs> that, would, that would be fun to get an email from a listener. Anyway, tell us. Tell us what you think. And maybe you agree with our unpopular opinions. Maybe you disagree. Let us know. We want to hear from you guys. So to start things off, we're going to play a song by Ricky Nelson. This is Garden Party. I chose this song because Ricky Nelson played at Madison Square Garden and he got booed off the stage poor guy and then he wrote this song and I was thinking specifically of the line where he says you can't please everyone you have to please yourself so when it comes to opinions sometimes you just you know you know you can't worry about what other people think so this is Ricky Nelson with Garden Party garden party to reminisce with my old friends a chance to share old memories and play our songs again when i got to the garden party this is a jennifer unpopular opinion the mona lisa i just don't think it's all that it's a portrait a good one I absolutely do not deny that, of a lady who looks a little smug. 
and people seem to be trying to read into it. Like, she has a secret smile. She's hiding truths like what happened to her eyebrows. Why were they painted on, then painted over? Where was Leonardo going with that? We'll never know. The Encyclopedia Britannica says it's the most famous painting in the world. And goodness does it have the market thoroughly saturated. There's almost no product that the Mona Lisa isn't on. Socks, curtains, toilet seats, toilet paper, salt and pepper shakers, pillows, coffee mugs, beaded curtains. Ah, so many things. The Encyclopedia Britannica goes on to say that it's undoubtedly good art, but there is no single reason for its celebrity. Rather, it is hundreds of circumstances. You see, people weren't always that excited about it. It was highly regarded when Leonardo was working on it. It was very innovative for the time with the technique and the pose. He had gifted it to King Francis as part of his collection, and it just kind of hung out in French palaces until La Revolution, when they were like, this is the property of the people now. And then Napoleon ended up with it and kept it in his bedroom for four years, and eventually came to its resting place in the Louvre. And it was well known amongst the art knowledgeable. And that all changed. And I have people to blame. I have two people to blame over this inundation of Mona Lisa propaganda. The first on my list (laughs) was Vincenzo Perugia. Back in 1911, he was a diminutive handyman standing at five foot three, who simply stole the Mona Lisa actually kind of easily. He like took it off the wall and tucked it under his smock and hit it and then came back for it and took it back with him to Italy. And this caused an immediate sensation on a national level. People who'd never heard of the Mona Lisa now were following the story in the news. Others flocked to the Louvre to gape at the empty space where the painting had once hung. That's right, they lined up for hours just to see a blank space where the painting no longer was, and they brought flowers and notes for it. The museum's director of paintings resigned, accusations of a hoax were made, Pablo Picasso was arrested as a suspect. He, he was innocent, he was cleared. Two years later, the painting was found in Italy after Vincenzo tried to sell it to an art dealer in Florence who then alerted the local authorities about the whole situation. Vincenzo was tried and convicted and imprisoned for the theft, and he was sent to jail for one year and 15 days, but was hailed as a great patriot in Italy and served only seven months in jail. But by then, the French people had come to regard the work as a national treasure that they had lost and recovered, sort of a we-didn't-know-what-we-had-when-we-had-it situation. The second person on my list to blame is Marcel Duchamp, who, in 1919, bought a postcard, played against the worship of art at the time when he drew a goatee and a Salvador Dali kind of style mustache on it, and added a little vulgar acronym on the bottom that kind of translates roughly into, wow, she's a passionate lady. And this act of irreverence caused a small scandal. And other artists were like, hmm, that worked for him. I am also going to deface this famous painting. And so she was endlessly reproduced. And because of this became one of the most well-known in the world. So 
that's how the Mona Lisa came to be so famous. And I believe there's probably a lot more people out there that feel the way I do because I think some of the popularity is of like what it represents, what people feel they are expected to like, but not necessarily that they are personally drawn to it or have like an emotional response when they look at it. The Mona Lisa does not evoke anything for me. (laughs) I look at the technique and I'm like, you know, it's really held up over time. Like, but otherwise, nothing. So, of course, I'm going to play a Mona Lisa song. Uh, Let's go with Mona Lisa by MXM Tune. I'm so tired of being a book on the shelf. Tired of stories for somebody else. Think that I'm ready to start a new chapter. I've been looking for some way to turn it around. Looking for someone to give me the crown. I want to feel like I finally matter. Hey, Emily here with an unpopular opinion on red velvet cake. I don't like it. I have never had a red velvet cake that left me wowed. Um, I don't even know as a, okay, let me back up. As a woman who is a fan of cake and sweets and such, I don't know that I've ever finished a red velvet cake slice or cupcake because I just don't like it. And I can't help but shake the feeling that there's just tons of food dye in it. Um, They just kind of taste like sweet blandness to me. And there's no flavor that I am able to uh, attach myself to. I don't I don't understand them. And maybe it's just that I haven't had good red velvet cake. But I want to understand red velvet cake. I want to know where it comes from. And apparently red velvet cake has been around uh, since Victorian times when bakers were using cocoa powder to produce a cake of fine crumbled texture when that was softer than traditional yellow or white varieties. And as the 1900s approached America, Velvet-style cakes, including mahogany cake and devil's food cake, became increasingly popular. And then there was a blend of the two, called the velvet cocoa cake, and that is the most direct relative of our modern red velvet. There is much debate on why the cocoa caused the reddening in the cake. Um, Some chefs say that it was a combination of acidic substances Um, such as like buttermilk and baking soda combining with the cocoa powder and it turning a reddish hue. Now I'm going to read directly from a an article that I've looked up on the history of red velvet cake and uh, here's the paragraph. It says regardless of the source of its color the version of red in the velvet cocoa cake is nowhere near as vibrant as our modern cakes rich crimson color, which surprising, which surprisingly plays no large role in its flavor. That's what I'm saying. If my cake's going to be that red, I want to taste something. I want to taste it. Red velvet cake has evolved throughout the years. Sometimes the coloring came from beets and then eventually it was food coloring 
and there's been different types of icing. There's like a butter, more of like a buttercream icing, and now most people prefer a uh, cream cheese type of frosting. And then in the 1970s, red velvet cake became unpopular. And there was a legendary American chef named James Beard, and he dismissed the dessert as bland and uninteresting. Agreed. I keep hearing this phrase people are using, and I I don't know if I like it or not, but people are saying, I don't want to yuck your yum. So if your yum is red velvet cake, I don't want to yuck it. You do you. You eat as much red velvet cake as your stomach can handle and you enjoy it. And let us know how that goes for you. Um, You can leave us a message uh, on Instagram or Facebook or something like that. So while I may not like red velvet cake and I am prepared, I think, to receive any flack for not liking it, I do really like this song by Wolfpack. It's called Back Pocket. Unpopular Jennifer Opinion. Hashtag Body Positivity. Hashtag I think it kind of sucks. There is a very strong online movement for body positivity, and I dislike this movement. Now, I dig the intention to create a space or awareness or even try and make it more normal that you can feel good and somewhat negate the pressures and discrimination that are on women, that they have to look a certain way or be a certain size to have value in society. But the way body positivity comes across to me now, it seems like aggressively positive, that you should not have any negative emotions in ourselves or others. Everything is beautiful, we're confident. But this can have a negative impact because it doesn't challenge the underlying idea that people are valued primarily for their appearance. One group of researchers exposed women to various images that depicted messages like, you must accept your body or you will never be happy. The women exposed to these messages did not feel any better about their body image. Instead, their image only improved when they understood that people close to them, like friends and family, appreciated them for who they were rather than what they looked like. Others have said that the emphasis on loving your looks reinforces society's preoccupation with appearances over other attributes. One study found that when women watched a lifestyle television program aimed at promoting body positivity, they experienced increases in anxiety about their body and dissatisfaction, similar to women who watched a program about fashion models. Someone telling you you have to like yourself or you'll never succeed can often have the opposite reaction because body positivity may just never be accessible for some people. 
there's many conditions, disorders, mental il illnesses that kind of prevent that from being achievable for some people. With this body positivity message, it emphasizes that if you're not showing confidence and acceptance, if you fail, it's somehow your fault. But have you ever heard of body neutrality? It's the idea we can exist without having to think too much about our bodies, and it de-emphasizes the focus on appearance and allows us to appreciate the things our bodies are able to do. So you don't have to love your body. They're only asking that you accept that it is your body and appreciate that it can do things for you. And the idea that we can still care for our bodies, even if we don't regard them positively. Like I said, you don't have to be happy, you don't have to love it, but it's really good to acknowledge that it's the one body that you have, you should care for it. And there's evidence to suggest that body neutrality can be beneficial to us. Across cultures and demographic groups, body neutrality is associated with more positive body image and mental well-being. So sometimes it helps to take that sort of inner microscope that we have that analyzes all our perceived flaws and just turn it off. So I'm kicking the concept of body positivity to the curb and fully embracing body neutrality. Wait a second, why should you care what they think of you when you're all alone by yourself? Do you like you? Do you like you? You don't have to try so hard. You don't have to give it all away. Hi there. This is Bobby. If you're hearing a cat purring in the background, it's because I am recording this in the comfort of my own home. And hopefully that um, ambiance is something that sets your mind at ease. Um, I want to have a foundation of ease laid before I drop the very intense surprise possibly surprising bomb on you listeners okay so here is an unpopular opinion i don't know maybe maybe it's not unpopular maybe there's an entire culture of people who who share the same opinion as me and this is something that i was pushed to possess an opinion that little by little i was nudged in the wrong direction until i finally i finally lashed out and and I'm going to say it on the radio. So here's the unpopular opinion. You don't need to tell us that you're a fan of the Beatles. Yes, the Beatles, the band, the Beatles. Yeah. Uh, what's his, what, what are their names? John, uh, Paul, Ringo, George. Yes, the, the, the four... The four Englishmen that make up the band fo formerly known as the Beatles, okay? You don't need to tell us that you're a fan of them. Why is that, okay? Why is it that you can walk around wearing a t-shirt that says Journey or Def Leppard or The Killers or Kenny G? Why is it that you can walk around with a Whitney Houston t-shirt, okay, and tell people by what you're wearing or by the things that you talk about that you're a fan of them but not the Beatles why is that not necessary okay in my opinion I believe that it goes without saying that the Beatles yes indeed laid 
the framework for a lot of music that we have come to know and love. They have contributed an enormous amount of creativity and originality to the music world. And maybe you're not a Beatles fan. And I love you for that, okay? Because I believe that it just goes without saying that the Beatles are a good band and that's that's where it needs to end. You don't need to walk around with a shirt that says the Beatles. You don't need to tell people that you own all of the records of the Beatles. It's just not a surprise. I think you can pretty much ask any random person walking in the grocery store, in line at the bank, in line at the DMV, uh, waiting for the mailman to show up uh, so that they can get their very special essential oils that they ordered online delivered before Christmas so that they can give them individually to all of their family members. And so... And, and in doing so, pass on the, uh, the joys of scented oils. You, you don't have to go very far to find a Beatles fan. Hey, do you like the Beatles? Um, yeah, I like the Beatles. Yeah, they're cool. Do you like the Beatles? Yeah, yeah, I like the Beatles. Yeah, I like them a lot. W what's your favorite Beatles song? I want to hold your hand. Hey, what's your favorite Beatles song? Eleanor Rigby. I mean, these answers, they're, they're predictable. And, and they should be predictable because the Beatles are a great band. But they don't need to be something that you lead with in the world. Okay? You don't need to be a self-professed Beatle fan. It just goes without saying. It's not necessary. In my opinion, it's redundant. It's absolutely redundant. And what's more exciting to me, I touched on this earlier, is a person who is not a Beatles fan. I think that it would be more noteworthy and more intriguing to me if a person was walking around in Trader Joe's with a shirt that said, I hate the Beatles. I hate Paul McCartney. I hate John Lennon. I hate George Harrison. I hate Ringo Starr. I needed to say it. I had to get it out of my system. This was saying those words that you just heard, although they may have a scent of sacrilege in them, you need to understand that it just is more interesting to not be a fan of the Beatles than it is to be a fan of the Beatles. Now that's newsworthy. It's like saying... It's like saying, hey, hey, did you know that I'm a really huge fan of Coca-Cola, right? Don't even get me started on Coca-Cola shirts. It's like saying, hey, you know what I'm a really great, I'm a really huge fan of? Hairbrushes, combs, okay? You tell, you tell me you hate combs, you hate hairbrushes? Now there's a conversation I'm willing to have, Okay. You know what I really love? Sandwiches. They're just so great. Yeah, we know you like sandwiches. They've always existed. Was there a time when they didn't exist? Probably. Just like there was a time when the Beatles did not exist. But if you come to me and you tell me, I hate sandwiches. I hate two slices. There's nothing that makes me more livid than two slices of bread with various uh, various foods that are found inside your vegetable crisper and uh, meat crisper drawer 
sliced meat. I hate it. I hate that. I hate any anything that that resembles a sandwich. If you told me that, now I'm intrigued. Now my ears are burning and I need to I need to have this conversation. Who is this person who doesn't like sandwiches? Who is this person who doesn't like the Beatles? So if you're not a Beatles fan and you want to tell me why you're not a Beatles fan, please reach out to us on Instagram or Facebook. You can DM us and I promise you I will respond because you will be one of the most intriguing people that I have ever heard of. So that is my Beatles rant. That is my unpopular opinion. Now, here's a Beatles song sung by Eddie Vedder. And I bet I bet if you asked Eddie Vedder if he liked the Beatles, I bet you'd know exactly what he'd say. Just like everyone else on the planet. Here is Hide Your Love Away by Eddie Vedder. Enjoy. Hey, you got to hide your love To hide your love away How can I even try I can never win Here and Emily here with another unpopular opinion and that opinion has to do with school and learning and grammar some of you know that we homeschool in our household and part of homeschooling requires me to teach my young children the difference between hard and soft letters such as G and C and as I was teaching the difference between a hard G and a soft G I realized I was wrong because I thought that a soft G was a G and a hard G was a J, because in my mind, they sound hard and soft, but that's wrong. According to grammar rules, a hard G is a G, and a soft G is a J, and it just doesn't sit well with me. And I understand that it needs to be like that way because of continuity with the letter C, a hard C is a K sound. You make it in the back of your throat. Same with a hard G, G. But a hard C sounds like a hard C, K. A soft C sounds soft, S. <sighs> anyway, I wish it was more based on what they sound like and not the way you're making it, the sound in your mouth. Um, but, oh well. <laughs> That's my unpopular opinion. I have another one, and that is that I think kids should be able to use calculators to do their homework as long as they understand the concept of what they're doing and why they should use a calculator. Because back in the day, our teachers were telling us, you'll never have a calculator with you everywhere you go. Well, guess what? Everyone has a smartphone with a calculator on it now, and it is literally with us everywhere we go. And I don't ever have to do math in my head anymore. I do it on the calculator on my phone. Hey Siri, what's 6,255 plus 7,292? It's 13,547. Hey, thanks Siri.
bam, calculator wherever you go. Oh, also, hey Siri, play Huey Lewis and the News. That was for you listeners, and you're welcome. That's not the song I chose, though, Bobby. <laughs> well, while Bobby uh, scrambles to figure out how to turn Siri off, I am going to play a song called Elementary School Dropout by the Yucky Dusters. Well, we are swiftly approaching the end of our hour. Oh, Emily, please say it isn't so. I don't want this to end. I want it to go on forever. That might be another unpopular opinion. Oh, yeah. No, you definitely want 24 hours of dream infringement. (laughs) Just come hang out with us. and This is basically what you get. Yeah, me and Emily, we're always just telling stories and playing music. <laughs> All the time. Jennifer, too. Um, earlier I said I didn't want to yuck anyone's yum. You shouldn't. You but shouldn't. But I feel it's just in, just as important for people not to yum someone's yuck. Yeah, it's a two-way street. It's a two-way street. Because yeah. the harder you try to yum someone's yuck, the more resistant they're going to be. They're not going to want to change. They're yeah. stuck in their ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's best to just let everyone just do what they enjoy and um, keep your opinions to yourself, which is something that we do the opposite of here at Dream Infringement. We put our opinions out over the airwaves, and hopefully you have found some opinions that you agree with wholeheartedly, heartily. Uh, maybe there are some opinions that you don't agree with and you are furious at us, which is fine. Everyone's entitled to their feelings. And maybe, just maybe, there are some opinions that you'd never thought about. And now you agree with us. You're like, wow, that's, I had no idea that this was something that you could have a, an opinion about. But now I agree. So um i don't know maybe we've uh made your uh made your world just a little bit bigger maybe you know rodney dangerfield said something about opinions (laughs) would you like to know what it is i have a feeling that quoting rodney dangerfield (laughs) is an unpopular uh thing to do well then tonight's the night to pull out the rodney dangerfield quote uh this is the moment he he was waiting for his whole life i'm sure is for him to be brought up and quoted (laughs) in a in a reverential way on a small town small town community radio station in southern oregon yeah i'm sure he would love this also i'm gonna quote it terribly (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because I don't I don't quite remember the beginning of the quote, but it was something about how he went to his doctor and he said to the doctor, I need a second opinion. And the doctor said, you're ugly. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, man, it was something like that. <laughs> still making us laugh. 
And I'm pretty sure after that, he said something about not getting respect. (laughs) I'm sure he did. America's sweetheart, Rodney Dangerfield. Oh, all right, Bobby. What's your opinion on Neil Diamond? Um, Yes, please and thank you. Well, we're going to play you out with Neil Diamond's Cracklin' Rosie. Miriam, this one's for you. Good night, everyone. Sayonara. Adios. You got the way to make me happy. You and me, we go and start. Cracklin' Rose, your store-bought woman. But you make me sing like a guitar humming. So hang on to me, girl, Hey, I bet my voice is not the voice you thought you would be hearing. I bet you're surprised to hear from a member of Dream Infringement so soon after the very convincing end of the show that we made. Well, I got confused and I thought that we didn't have any more time when in reality we have about Oh, four or five more minutes. So anyway, I thought I would just pop back on here to say a real goodbye and to play another song to round out this dream infringement hour. So the next voice you hear after the song will be that of a different DJ here at KSKQ. And you should definitely stick around to find out who that is. In the meantime... The song we chose to play you out tonight, for real this time, is by the Four Seasons, Who Loves You. Good night!